Christians, what are your gifts? What are your gifts? What gifts has God given you? And why? We're all gifted in any number of ways. Every, every one of you. I know some of your gifts and know some of what God's given you. And we kind of know that about each other. But God's given us gifts. And gifts have always been personally confusing. They're, it's kind of amazing. We, we knew this in school or even as children uh, when there was one guy or one, one girl that was just athletic beyond compare. Right? They're just gifted. You put a ball in their hand, they'll score a touchdown. You put a ball in their hand, they'll put it through the hoop. They, they put a ball in their hand, they'll knock you over, score a touchdown, and put it through the hoop. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. There's just, they have these physical gifts and gifts of prowess and energy and so on. But there are all sorts of gifts that God gives. In fact, if you take just a moment and kind of just think through and catalog in your own mind the gifts that God has given you, I think you'll be amazed at the many things that God has put into you and given you. Now, gifts have always been personally confusing. It's hard sometimes to do, to do what I just said, to run that diagnostic check of, well, what has God given me, and, and how should I be using these gifts, and particularly in proportion to faith and in the church, as we read here. Uh, that's always been the case, trying to discern one's gifts and what God's given. Uh, but for the last, we'll say, 115 years, since 1906 anyway, for Protestants, it's been even more confusing uh, because in 1906 we had what was started, the Azusa Street Revival, which was interesting for a number of reasons. One, down in Los Angeles, Azusa Street, uh, because it was a multi-ethnic revival. That is, say, all kinds of different racial folks got together and part of this congregation where these, uh, these things were going on. But the things that were going on were, like, uh, starting again to prophesy or speak in tongues and, and have these kind of what we might call sign gifts or more extraordinary gifts of the New Testament that for generations had largely been seen as not part of the church's ongoing ministry. They were part of the church's foundational ministry, but not part of the church's ongoing ministry. And then as of 1906, that brought all that into question. Are we supposed to be prophesying? Are we supposed to have gifts of healing? Are we supposed to have gifts of speaking in tongues and interpreting like we see in the New Testament. So since 1906, the question of spiritual gifts is a little bit different than it was before, at least generally speaking in the Western tradition of the church. But back to the actual question, what are your gifts? What has God given you? What, what, what things, what skills, attitudes, aptitudes, energies has God given you so that you can give it away, so that you can give out of that abundance, particularly to the church. The first thing I want to think about here is the grace. This is all grace. It's grace and grace and grace. It's all gift. Right? This is God giving, and that's how God is. God is gracious. It's of his very nature to give, and he gives gifts. So this is grace, but the sober judgment we might have in assessing those gifts in ourselves. Secondly, God assigned gifts. This is something that God has purposed and is working in his church. And finally, the use of these gifts in the body. So first, grace and sober judgment. We have a tendency to think more of ourselves than we ought. Most of us do. There, there, are, there are certain folks that in weird ways kind of pervert, even that, that perversion is perverted, and they think far less of themselves than they ever should and think they're you know, nothing and they're going to eat worms and that kind of stuff. And there's, there's that problem. That's, that's one problem. More often than not, however, it's the other, the other way. We think more of ourselves. We, we assess ourselves much higher 
than we ought to, and we tend to assess other people maybe lower in respect uh, their skills or their abilities and such than we should. This can be exemplified, and it was maybe many of you watched it, and there are, there are other shows that do just the same thing, but the American Idol is a show that stands out where there are a number of contestants that come on to, uh, to audition that somebody in their life prior to that should have told them, you're not good at this, right? This isn't your skill, your gift. Other things are. Go that direction. Instead of going on, you know, national TV and making a fool of yourself, which we all enjoy, of course. That was part of the joy of that show was watching people do that. But that's an example of the tendency to build ourselves up in our own minds, irrespective of the actual nature of our own gifts and the world around us. We're kind of living in a delusion. Well, that, that happens. And we want to have sober judgment, clear thinking judgment regarding our own gifts and those of others. Now, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this glorious epistle, was an enormously gifted person. Tremendously gifted by God. We we talk about natural gifts, we'll distinguish a little bit later. Natural gifts and maybe spiritual gifts, but they're all gifts. They're all from God. They're all something God has given. And so even that kid in elementary school that would run circles around everyone, slam dunk it and get the touchdown, um, that's a gift. God gave all that ability to him. We would say it's natural, but by natural we mean from God. Uh, maybe not uh, a supernatural gifting by the Holy Spirit as a Christian, but just the gifts that God gives us in coming into this world and so on. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. This chapter has popped onto my radar here quite a bit in the last few weeks, particularly around the beginning of it, around the gospel articulation that Paul received. But beyond that, you can read that. We'll read verses 8 through 11. So this is after... Uh, Paul talks about the gospel, the kind of basic tenets of the gospel that are handed down in the church. Uh, he says in verse 8, uh, and of course the, 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 appearing, the, the, the resurrection appearances of Jesus to his disciples and others here in verse 8. Last of all, uh, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, there's the gift and the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. Right? Comparing himself and, and the gospel to the, the, the established church of Paul's time. Because remember, Paul comes on the scene a little bit later. Right? He's, not, he's not on the scene from the beginning. There's the, the Christian church is already going and moving, has their catechism, has their members. You can see in the scriptures, that's one of them. And Paul says, but Jesus also came to me as one untimely born, born out of time, a, late, a later birth. And he says that the grace of God, though, worked in him was not in vain. So I want you to see the grace of God working in Paul on one hand and Paul working on the other. That's what he says, right? He says, the grace of God in me wasn't in vain. In fact, I worked harder than the rest of the apostles. What's he mean? He had a lot more stuff he had to get rid of and learn and figure out. The, the, the rest of the apostles spent that time with Jesus on earth, listening and receiving from him directly his teaching and his person. Paul didn't receive any of that. Paul received some revelations, some you know, caught up in the third heaven and such. But we see if he does that, it's not like he... Uh, he received the Westminster Confession of Faith, 33 chapters of glory descending from heaven on high. He didn't get that, right? He had an experience of God that he had to come down, and he wouldn't even talk about. 
But he has to puzzle through and work through and think through what God has revealed, what Jesus Christ, who Jesus Christ is, and how it relates to the Scriptures. But he's got to work and puzzle that out. Jesus taught that to his disciples. Paul had to learn it. But by the grace of God, he did. But he worked harder than all of them. Sometimes we think grace means not work. When right here you can see grace means work harder than everyone else. Have you ever been in a situation where, you know, you're maybe developing some natural gifts that God's given you? Um, this guitar is an example for me, where I have some natural aptitude in music, and someone stuck a guitar in my lap and showed me a couple chords, and I worked harder than all of them. I, I worked everyone around me on the guitar, almost. There are some guys that are working hard, too, but all, all, the, all the goons in the dorm that are just playing G, C, and D, yeah, that, that took a day or two, and I'm off to the races, working day and night to play the guitar. And in the end... I can play the guitar. That's a gift of grace. God gave me that gift, but he also gave me the gift to work, to develop that gift. So we don't want to juxtapose grace on the one hand and work on the other. I think the right juxtaposition or the right way to think about it is faith on one hand and works on the other relative to justification. Right? That we rest in Christ Jesus and his works by faith, not our own efforts, not our own works to be accepted before God. Absolutely, those are going to be put apart. But as grace works in us, Christian, so we work. Okay? God's made us to work. He put Adam in the garden to work the garden and keep it before the fall. It's part of our constitution, made up in the image of God, that we work. For God works, or worked at least six days and rested the seventh, giving us a pattern for the grace of God to work in our lives as well. Paul was enormously gifted. And one of the gifts that he was given was the gift of hard work. I'll let the silence work on you a little bit. God has made us to work hard and play hard and rest hard. Okay? And then we die. And then it's, then it's off to the races. Okay? But God's put us here to work. And so as we, as we deal with our children, as we deal with ourselves... Let's recognize the grace of God in our lives and make much of what God has given and push hard into the, the, the opportunities, into the gifts that he has put into our lives as well. Now, as we work hard and as we see the gifts of God in, in our lives and as, as they, by God's mercies, are developed and grow, it's easy for us to fall into what? Just the word fall into is enough to probably get you in pride. Right? We start to think much of our accomplishments, uh, even when they're minuscule. Oftentimes, there's not much accomplishment there, but we can sure get wrapped up and think of a lot of ourselves in it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, What do you have that you did not receive? And if then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Who makes you to differ, Paul says? How are you different from your neighbor? God's given you everything that you are. Everything's a gift to you. So why would you boast in a gift? The gift's not yours. It's from God. It should humble you. Right? The, the gifts of God, the grace of God should humble us, not inflate us with pride, but that's the way it goes. Pride's sneaky. It's a sin that, it, I think, it's, it's very much internal, though it does work its way out in different ways as we deal with people and so on, but we often think too much of ourselves. And the Scripture calls us here to be humble and soberly assess our own gifts. Soberly, right? In a clear-minded sort of way. Sober judgment is clear-headed assessment of our gifts. So we all have gifts. 
God has given everyone gifts, right? There, there, there are skills, there are aptitudes and energies and things that people have, and they're all different. Right? Maybe we'll overlap on certain ones and so on. But God's given us all different gifts and, uh, and different uh, abilities and so on. And we should have a, a clear-headed assessment of those gifts. How do we get that? How do we do that? Maybe one, at least, initial answer or preliminary answer is we do it in conversation with one another. Right? We, we receive from the body compliments and encouragements on things. Well, that's probably a sign that these are gifts that God's given, especially, I think, in the context of the church, where we come together to know God, we come together to worship God, we come together to be built up in Christ Jesus, and as we see gifts and skills that are good and are helpful in that as we share them, we encourage one another. So that's one way of, I think, receiving from the outside, at least from the body of Christ, an understanding or some clarity as we work through this diagnostic process of what are my gifts? What do I really have? What do I have in me? What can God give me that I can work for and, and grow? And how do I apply it to the body of Christ? How do I give it away? How do I develop it and give it to the body? That's our last point. We'll get there. But these gifts are God-assigned. Okay? They don't happen haphazardly. They don't happen by accident. God has gifted each member of the body as he wants. Look at verses 3 and 6 in this respect. Back to Romans 12. Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. And I think the measure of faith there is understanding and operating in these gifts that God has given. Verse 6, though, says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So the grace given to us, that'd be, those, those are the gifts. Those are things that God's given you. He's put in you. He's put in your mind. He's put in your heart. He's, he's given you these gifts. And according to faith, it's figuring out what those gifts are and, and how we're supposed to use them. The proportion of our faith and, the, and the, the use of that gift. But gifts are given. That's what a gift is. It's something that's given. Now, we have the, oftentimes in mind, and sometimes you get this with, like, evangelism. Like, you know, salvation itself, the whole, the whole ball of wax, is a gift, to be sure. And then sometimes it's characterized as, like, a, a birthday gift. Uh, like, you know, you get the gift, you open it and think, oh, I didn't want the underwear. I, was, I didn't want a new tie. Or whatever you get that you don't want. And say, so, okay, you kind of shuffle off. It's not a gift you receive. You kind of... You, know, you kind of shove it aside. That's not the kind of gift of salvation. It doesn't quite work that way. Uh, it's, it's more a gift of a changed heart, right? of a heart of stone becoming a heart of flesh, and then everything is all different. That's kind of the beginning of the work of the salvation, but it's still a gift. It's not the kind of gift you just shove off or, or can decide not to receive or receive kind of thing like a birthday gift or, or something like that. It's, it's a working of grace in you by God Almighty, and it's a gift. And you don't say, no, thank you. You get on your knees and say, thank you. That's what that gift does. It puts you to your knees. Um, but the same thing with these spiritual gifts or just natural gifts, and we'll begin to distinguish in a second. But these different parts of our lives, these different aptitudes and skills, uh, they are gifts as well. And they're given. God gives them. And he gives them in the body just how he wants there are four, you can kind of just write the, the books and the passages down. There are four places in the New Testament where uh, the gifts, whether they be kind of more natural gifts or gifts of office in the church, 
or particular spiritual gifts of individuals, like tongues and, and so on. There are four places in the New Testament that are mentioned. One is here in Romans 12, twice in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have lists of gifts, and also Ephesians chapter 4, which we'll read in a moment as well. So these are the places where we have at least lists of gifts, which I don't think any of them are meant to be exhaustive. I think Paul set out at any point in these letters to list off everything the Holy Spirit could give us. Not at all. But some of the more prominent and important ones, I think, particularly in terms of office and the functioning of, uh, of the apostles and prophets in that first century of the church. Do you think that God knows what he's doing in giving the gifts? He kind of just made some mistakes. Um, and we might even, uh, everyone smiles at that, but I think we think that. <laughs> I think we honestly think, oh, okay, okay, well, what's this gift? Of? This is kind of an awkward, even thinking of taking it to the, the reality of the gifts of the people in the body. Like each of you here, right? We're gifts one to another, and the gifts that he gives us are for one another. Has God made mistakes? Has God put people in this local body that's like, yeah, maybe that person maybe shouldn't be here. Maybe that person makes me uncomfortable. Now, we want holiness in the church, and we aim for being faithful to the Lord, and we want to admonish each other in that, but we can't admonish each other if we don't talk, if we're not together, if we're not part of the body, if we exclude people from the body because they kind of make us nervous, then we're not, we can't. We've made it so we can't do the job that God calls us to do with the gifts that we have. We have to be part of the same body. And if there are things that make us nervous, if there are things that, I mean, being nervous or kind of not liking personalities or that guy's weird or whatever else is one thing, that's probably just a personal problem for you. It's that simple. But there are also issues of actual sin and, and, and unwise decisions that we say, well, if it's sin, the, the Scripture tells us what to do. Not to exclude them and walk away, but to engage them as brothers in Christ. That's like one of the gifts. Right? And then if, if the brother won't repent, it's sin against you, think of Matthew 18, of course. Then you take someone else, and it finally comes to church. There's a process there. You don't get, you're not like, you know, the hangman and the judge and everyone all together. Right? You're just a brother in Christ trying to deal with a brother who's in sin or in sin toward you. Or it might just come down to just unwise decisions or things like that. But the, the same, I think, dynamics would apply. We've got to talk. We have to engage one another. Somebody has to have the courage to say, I don't think you're doing that right. Or I don't, I don't, this is weird, and I'm not, just to engage in the conversation. We also have to have the humility to receive that from one another. And from each of us. We all, that's part of the work of the body. God has brought this body together. God has done it. God has brought Warren Baptist together. God has brought branches together. And just go all around. All the different churches, and now, you know, you can make your you know, dividing lines on what's orthodox and what's crazy and whatever else. Okay, sure. God is the one who's brought the body together in each of its local manifestations and gives gifts to the members to give one to another. That is the life of the church. And that really is our central reality in our living is we're in the body of Christ. We're gifted to be here and we're gifted to give gifts to other people in the body of Christ. And God has distributed them. God's the one who's done it in his wisdom. Sometimes his wisdom has us scratching our heads. Okay. But scratching your head is one thing. Being curious is one thing. But kind of denying the realities of the body is another. And that's a sinful issue. I think if we're going to... We have to learn how to give gifts one to another, and sometimes it's simply uncomfortable. We've got to do it until it becomes more and more comfortable. That's such as life in the body.
Natural gifts, as kind of more how we've been talking, just gifts that God gives us in our makeup and our constitution. These are gifts of God. But what about spiritual gifts or more controversial assigned gifts? What about speaking in tongues or healing? Um, I have a, a friend in New York City, a Reformed guy, a minister there, um, who, interestingly enough, he says he has the gift of healing. He prays for people and they get healed. Is that all right? You got something to say against that? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I mean, I can't always the scripture and say, well, I don't know. That particular gift of healing isn't something that is for the church in perpetuity. Though I can look at the New Testament itself and say, while Paul and the apostles seem to have it in spades at the beginning, at the end they didn't quite have this as much. Right? There's a, there's a, there's a fading off of these, of these gifts around Revelation. Now, there's something there for us, and maybe we'll do it next week. I'm not sure. I'm not even sure I'm prepared to do it. Uh, but to consider the list of spiritual gifts we have in the New Testament and say, well, how did these all work through the long haul? How did they work in the immediate context of the apostolic ministry? And then how did they work down the generations? And how should they work now? And is 1906 a mistake? Right? Is this, a, is this um, uh, re-upping of spiritual gifts from speaking in tongues and healing and so on um, a mistake? Or is it a move forward by the Holy Spirit in the church? And it's a bit of both, I think, when it comes down to it. But more on that later. The idea here is God has given these gifts to you and to your neighbor and to the guy over on the other side of the pew or whatever that you kind of wish weren't there or would sit farther away or whatever. He's put us together. He's given us these gifts. And he's given us these gifts, the last point is, to use them. To use them. Okay, there are four use. And we see that there in verse 6. I'm in the right chapter. I am. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Okay? Each of us has different gifts. God's graced us and gifted us differently. Each one of us. Each one of us. And that's not just like, you know, from... 18 years old to 60 or something. Once you get over 60, it doesn't count. If you're under 18, it doesn't count. No, no, no. The body of Christ includes all of us. All the way down to the baby in arms, to the baby in the womb. Even though that baby has not been able to receive the sign of the covenant yet, we can't baptize them inside the womb. But as soon as they get out, they're part of the body. And God gets them as well. And it's kind of amazing. Like just uh, trying to think of the pastor's name in Yankton, but he has a, a, a little disabled girl in the congregation that just kind of has her own little ministry. It's a ministry of joy spreading, and she's just doing her thing. She's just a little girl doing her little girl thing in the church, and it's a blessing. God makes that a blessing, right? God gives that little girl a little ministry in this church of spreading joy. And that's, there are all kinds of little ministries that each of us have, and each of our little ones. And I think as far as parents go, training our kids to discern those those gifts, develop those gifts, work harder than everyone, and then turn around and use them, not for their own benefit, although sometimes we benefit from our gifts, and we've got to make a living, and people got to you know, have food to eat and so on, so we use our gifts that way, but there is a way to give away, not to use for our own benefit, but give away the gifts. What gift has God given you, or what range of gifts has God given you to give to the people right around you here? That that's the target. That's what you have the gift for. It's so that you can encourage the person right behind you, right next to you, the person drinking coffee with you after the service, the one who comes moping in at the beginning of the service, or whatever else. So often we come to church looking for what we're going to get. 
How many times, like, you walk away from a search and say, oh, there's a much there, here or somewhere else, or whatever. That's fine. Maybe a better question is, what did you give? What did you come on the Lord's Day to the house of the Lord, with the people of the Lord, and give? What gift did you exercise to build somebody up? Not just what did you receive. I hope you received. I hope you get from the Word of God here, and you're, you're built up as the Word's preached, and as we sing the Bible and pray, and that God gives His gifts. But then He turns around and says, now... You go work. You give it away. You work out in the, in the body and find the needs and meet those needs. Utility is key. Don't bury your gifts. I think I read a story about that one time. It didn't work out well for the guy who buried his talent in the ground. says, I know you're a hard master, reaping where you have not sown. So therefore I hid your gift so you could have it back. You wicked servant. Give the talent that he had to the guy with ten and throw him out. So Jesus has no time. Listen to that. Jesus has no time for those who would bury their gifts, who would not develop them and use them. He's given us these gifts so that the church will be built up, as we'll see in just a moment. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. A moment comes sooner than I thought. I'll start reading at verse 11. But consider the same kind of context here of the gifts that God has given to his church and and what to do with them, or how to use them, or simply to use them. Talking about the, the risen, enthroned Christ, who, in his enthroned status at the right hand of the Father, is pouring out his Spirit, is pouring out gifts on the church. Verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Well, there we go. For building up the body of Christ until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by the crafty, craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, and here's this work of the body, this work that God has for us, and what's the end of it? What's the purpose of it? What happens because of it? Verse 15, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is supplied, equipped, uh, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The growth of the body of Christ into maturehood, into love, into service, is through your work. Now, God's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. I'm, I'm in that last category there. Um, maybe we still have evangelists. I don't think we still have, uh, uh, certainly don't have a pro- apostles anymore. Prophets, as a head scratcher, maybe we'll get to that anyway. But as far as pastors, teachers, no one disagrees that that's part of the ongoing ministry, regular ministry of the church. Um, but, so God's given you a pastor. God's given the church pastors and teachers so that you can be equipped to build one another up. It's my job as a pastor to equip you with the word of God such that you can turn around and minister one to another. Love one another. Serve one another. Be humble toward one another and give toward one another so that the body is built up. So that it grows up in love and to maturity. That's that's, That's what these gifts are for. Okay, so God has, God's the one who gives the gifts. He gives them on purpose. 
he distributes them exactly how he wants within the body, so that the body learns to edify itself and grow up and be built up into perfection and into love. What do you offer to build up this church? And this church is one consideration. It's our local body. Here we are. But we also know we have an organic connection in Jesus Christ to other local bodies. They're right down the street, in our, you know, right in our case here. But they're also in our presbytery. Right? The church is in our presbytery, part of this body as well. The broad body of the Lord Jesus Christ, probably broader than we all would think. It would make us nervous to think about. What gifts do you have that you're actively working to develop to give away to the body of Christ? What gifts are you actively developing so that you can have them and give them away to those in the body of Christ? I think that's a legitimate question to ask from this whole text. God's given gifts. What are you doing? Like Paul would say, I worked hard on all of them. Sure, he had natural aptitude God-given, all kinds of gifts God-given, but he still worked hard to develop his gifts to build up the body of Christ. And so what are we doing to follow that same model, to develop the gifts that God's given us so that we can pour them into other people's lives, particularly the lives of the people right around you here? This is where the gifts live, is in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church lives in its local instantiation, even though we certainly recognize that it goes out and, and there's room for gifts beyond our congregation and so on. No question about that. God's given us gifts to be used. If we don't use them, what are we doing? What are we saying to God? What are we saying to the body of Christ? Because God's given us these gifts to edify one another. We are robbing others, and we're spurting God if we're not actively developing our skills in order to minister to the Christians, the body of Christ, around us. That's why God has given us these. So let us not rob God or rob one another and spurn God but rather let us joyfully receive the gifts, recognize those gifts that we have, and then see which ones we can develop, we can work hard at, to give away, to edify, to build up the church in love. Selfishness is a sin. And I think we, that's one of the sins that comes in with giftedness. Is that you want these gifts, you recognize these gifts, and you, you want them to benefit yourself, to build yourself up. And I don't think that's wrong. God's given you, you know, you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, you're supposed to love yourself. You're not supposed to despise yourself and therefore despise your neighbor. You love yourself and use the gifts to build yourself up and your family. But are you thinking about the church and you're thinking about the development of your own gifts? And in the end, our selfishness brings me to not just a sermon on gifts and using them, but a sermon on the giver of those gifts. The giver of those gifts is the risen, enthroned Lord Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. The reason he's there at the right hand of the Father, bodily, as a man, is because we need a Savior. We don't just need gifts. We need a Savior. We need Jesus. We need to be saved and from our wickedness, from our lostness, from all, all the mess and wreck that we are. We need the giver, not just the gifts. And as we have the giver then... He says, hey, that, that man, Jesus Christ, is enthroned in heaven, and he's pouring out gifts on his church. Then we receive those gifts in that forgiveness, in that grace, in the new life that Christ gives us. And we start to operate. We start to give them away. And we get better at it. And we get better at it. And the church is built up, and it's built up in love. And that's why God has organized it this way. So, let me ask again as we close. What are your gifts? 
Christian, what are your gifts? Are you thankful for them? Do you give thanks because God is the one who's given them? Christ is the one who's graciously given these things to you, whether natural gifts or, or gifts that the Spirit's given you in your Christian walk. Are you thankful? If we're not thankful, we're bound to go off the rails. If we're not thankful to God all the time, we're bound to go off the rails. Go read your Romans 1 again. Uh, in the first place, they did not give him thanks. And then their foolish hearts are dark, and then God turns them over, and he turns them over, and he turns them over, and your stomach goes. But it starts by not being thankful. And if we're talking about gifts, the word thank you. Isn't it the way we teach that to our kids? Even when it's socks, uh, even when it's something from Grandma that they just don't want, you say, you don't act that way, you say thank you. You, you, you express gratitude, and by expressing gratitude, hopefully you can actually have it. You can actually have a heart that is grateful to Grandma, and eventually and ultimately to God himself uh, for many gifts, including these we're talking about. Are your gifts being made useful for others? Are you developing on purpose the gifts in your life, the things that God has given you for the express purpose of building up the body of Christ, of serving one another, and then as the body of Christ to serve the world? That's what God's done. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing right here with you in your family, in this body. He's given us gifts just as he wants. And he's saying in your ears right now, develop those gifts. Work hard and give it away. All with an attitude of thankfulness and gratitude to God who has given us everything. From life and breath and movement to eternal salvation and life in Christ Jesus. It's all gift. Grace, grace, grace. That's it. That's the word. So if it's gracious, if it's a gift to us, then our attitude is thankfulness. And what should we do, God, with these things you put in our hands? How can we serve? How can we build up the body of Christ? The Christ-bought church is gifted unto maturity. That's what God wants from us, is for us to grow up, to be solid in Christ Jesus, because of the gifts he's given that we've learned to love each other with and serve each other with, all to his glory. We are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Amen.